0: All right. Good morning, guys. It's good to see you guys this morning. Um, we're going to do a little something different this morning. Uh, I mean, you guys, I'll read you guys a quick passage to kind of set things up. Uh, Acts chapter one, verse eight. Uh, after Jesus had resurrected and before he had ascended, he said this to his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Uh, we're going to, uh, this morning, if you guys are going to be going on a summer project, if you're going to be overseas uh, doing a mission trip this summer, whether it's for one week or for six weeks, we'd love for you guys to come on forward. And as you guys come up, I'll kind of set a few, few more things up. So if you're going to be overseas this summer, come forward, come up to the stage. I don't bite. It's all right. Come on up. Um, as you guys are coming out, let me kind of explain to you guys. Uh, for us as a church... Uh, we've been around for about 40 years and missions has been a huge pillar for us as a church. And, and I read Acts chapter 1-8 because it's not just a pillar for us as a church, but it is a, a part of what every church has been called to. For you guys just to know too, if, even us as a church, we spend almost 30% of all our monies toward missions. Um, So in some form or fashion, we're helping sin and helping people go across and overseas to to reach uh, nations that have never heard the gospel. And so this summer, we have almost over 60 people that are going to be going um, to East Asia, to Africa, to Greece. And what we want to do this morning is just have a chance to pray for them. and want you guys to see them and be up front um, as they kind of head out this summer. And so we have pictures around this place to give you guys a sense of where we head. So we have uh, trips going to Greece, we have trips going to East Asia, and trips going to Africa. We're going to atheistic places, we're going to post-Christian places, and we're even going to parts of the world. And so uh, I think, honestly, our summer projects are one of the biggest things we do every year as a college ministry. And so uh, these guys have jumped in for the year, or for the summer. Uh, it could be a year later, so you never know. But uh, these guys have jumped in, and I always want to take a chance uh, just to pray for them um, as they uh, are kind of going through support raising and getting ready to go this summer. So let me pray for you guys. Father God, we to give you great thanks that you've given us an incredible privilege um, to be witnesses for you, and not just in our Jerusalem, but even in our Judeas and Samarias and even to the ends of the world. Father, you've called us to a task that is gigantic. And yet you've provided every single time for us and you've met every need we could have ever had. And Father, I pray for these groups, or these individuals, I pray that you would meet every need they have. I pray as they walk through the next few months and As they continue to interact with parents and as they continue to raise support and as they have fears about food to travel to packing to whatever, Lord, I pray that you would meet them in the midst of those in every way they could have imagined. Um, Father, we pray that you would give us eyes to see the world, um, that you would give us a perspective of the nations that would be broadened. And even as these guys go, the Lord, you'd give us models, Lord. Um, Father, I thank you for their willingness to go. Um, I thank you for their passion and their faith to trust you. Not that they're superheroes of our faith, Lord, but that they are just willing to go when you'd call. Uh, and Father, I pray that you'd give them rich summers, Lord, that you would transform them in ways that they can't even imagine. Pray that you would meet them, that you would teach them, that you would grow them this summer beyond uh, who they are now. Pray that you would do more in their life, that you'd show them more, that you'd stretch them more, and that you'd show them your bigness, your goodness, and your faithfulness in ways that they have never seen, Lord. Father, we pray for these guys and girls, Lord, that you would provide for them, that you would use them mightily, and for those that they'll be interacting with on college campuses across our world, Lord. I pray that you'd give them interactions and appointments that would be sovereign and divine, um, that they'd have opportunities to share and to connect with those that have never heard of Jesus Christ before. And even for those that have, Lord, I pray that they would be men and women that would be prepared and ready to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that you would allow these trips and allow these students to get to see things occur before their very eyes um, in ways that they may have never have imagined. And Father, I pray for those that will be going to hard places, Lord, though, that may never see any fruit, not while they're there, Lord. I pray that you give them perseverance, that you give them faith to trust you, that you were working even when they may not see it, Lord. And Father, we ask for these things this morning through your Son and by your Spirit. Amen. Thank you, guys. I am dressed up this morning because I was in big church, so excuse the attire. Um, uh, you guys have a, an opportunity this morning. Uh, I'm not speaking, okay? So uh, don't applause too much, all right? Uh, Jason Upmore, one of our college interns, is going to be speaking this morning, and uh, I've gotten a chance to walk with Jason this year. Jason's going to be coming back as an intern as well next year, leading our freshman ministry at Doulos, and actually had the opportunity to marry he and his wife, Rachel, this past summer, and I will tell you guys, they have been a joy to walk with, uh, a joy to do ministry with, and actually, in many regards, Jason's faith and trust in the Lord is the kind of faith that actually sometimes it makes me uncomfortable. Uh, he has a faith that surpasses mine as a trust in the Lord in a moment in a situation with an individual that, that blows me away at times. And so I think you guys are going to be blessed to kind of get to hear from Jason as he speaks from his heart and kind of shares from a passage. that's really kind of been something he's been mulling on even this week. So if you guys will have a chance, just welcome Jason as he comes up.
1: Well, howdy. howdy. Well, like you said, my name is Jason Upmore. I'm class of 2009. Okay. Hullabaloo. Like you said, this past summer I got married to my high school sweetheart. You want to raise your hand? Yeah, all right. Uh, so all you men that just uh, looked at her, she's taken, okay? Um, I will tell you, prayer is powerful, so you should try it.
0: <laughs>
1: this year has been an awesome year for me. I just started interning with Grace at the beginning of this year, and I've been poured into more uh, this year than I ever have in my life. And, um, I mean, a big reason because of that is you, Trey Corey, uh, he's the type of guy that he'd rather, I think, go and eat lunch with you rather than stand up here and preach. And I mean that. And it's just been great getting to do life with him. And then Marcy, I mean, for heaven's sakes, she just had a kid and she's up here every week trying to build community with this Faces of Southwood deal. I mean, that's just crazy. And I, I tell you all that because I just want y'all to know this is a special place. You know, there's some people here that they're not doing it for themselves. There's not many pastors who would step down and let an intern come up and preach. But that's because they want to further the kingdom, and they believe that. Well, we are going to be studying the book of Mark in chapter 6. So if you would, open up your Bibles to Mark 6, and we're going to be starting in verse 30. And then you're going to want to stay there, because I'm going to stick with that the entire time. Well, starting in verse 30, it says, The apostles gathered together with Jesus, and they reported to him all that they had done and taught. And Jesus said to them, Come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. For there were many people coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they went away in the boat to a secluded place by themselves. Then it says, The people saw them going, and many recognized them, and ran there together on foot from all the cities and got there ahead of them. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd and he felt compassion. For they were like a sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And so when it was already quite late, his disciples came to him and said, This place is desolate and it is already quite late. Send them away so they may go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus answered them, You give them something to eat. And the disciples said to him, Shall we go and spend 200 denarii on bread and give them something to eat? And Jesus said to him, How many loaves do you have? Go look. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. And he commanded them all to sit down by groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and of fifties. And he took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up towards heaven, he blessed the food and broke the loaves. And he kept giving them to the disciples to set before them. And he divided up the two fish among them all. And they all ate and they were satisfied. And they picked up twelve full baskets of the broken pieces and also of the fish. There were five thousand men who ate the loaves. Well, before we get started, I, mean, I would love for you to just take a minute and, uh, and just pray for me. Uh, to be honest, uh, my legs are shaking and I'm nervous. <laughs> and so uh, if you would, just take some time. Just pray that, that God would be my peace and that he would just speak through me. And then also if you would, um, and just pray for yourselves. Pray that I wouldn't be a hindrance to God just getting the glory. And so I just pray that you just be able to learn from him today. Well, Father, we love you. Um, we just thank you that we get to come to a place and worship you freely. And so, Lord, I just, I just thank you just for the worship we just had. And for some people, that's all they needed this morning was just to come here and just praise you. And so I just thank you for that. Um, but, Lord, I do pray that you would speak through me right now. And so, Father, I just pray that you just prepare our hearts and just help us to receive you. And so we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, well... My brother, whose name is Jonathan, he is 18 years old, and he is going to be a freshman here at A&M next year, all right? Yeah, 2014, I think. And so 18 years ago, my mom was pregnant with Jonathan, and my dad likes to tell this story. And so they're thinking within the next week, they're about to, my mom's about to give birth to Jonathan, and so they're thinking probably in the next week they'd have to go to the hospital and do that whole ordeal, whatever. But anyway, so my dad, they weren't expecting it to happen right then, and so on this particular day, my dad got home, and my mom was upstairs, and so my dad did what he usually does after a stressful day of work, is he usually goes and grabs a cold beverage, and he sits on the couch and watches football, all right, Uh, like any wise man would do. And so, all of a sudden, just while he's getting relaxed and about to watch some football, he hears this terrible scream coming from upstairs. And so he goes to the stairs, and he sees my mom at the top looking at him with this petrified look. All right? And I don't really know how this whole process works, but I know that my mom knew that Jonathan was about to come out right then. Okay, And so she starts telling my dad, I'm about to give birth right now. And my dad looks at her, and with such compassion, and says, this is not going to happen, okay? <laughs> you are going to come down the stairs right now, and then we're going to go to the hospital. Because I am not about to do this. And so he just starts screaming at her to get down the stairs. And so slowly but surely, she starts working her way down the stairs. And when she finally gets to him, my dad grabs her arm. They go out in the front yard. He throws her in their minivan. And they start booking it down the highway. All right? My dad's probably pushing 85, swerving in and out of cars. But finally, they make it to the hospital. Okay, And so he goes up to the nurse. And says, all right, my wife is about to have a baby. Let's do something about this. And they say, okay, that's great, but you're going to have to fill out some paperwork. My dad said, no, we're not filling out any paperwork. And so he grabbed a wheelchair, threw in, and he said, where's the physician? Because we're going. All right? And so, praise the Lord, he got to the physician. Jonathan was born, and now he'll be here next year. So if any of you single ladies want to hunk, he'll be here. He told me to play that card. Um... (laughs) Well, some of y'all were maybe thinking about that situation. You're like, you know, your dad sounds like a jerk, okay? <laughs> but if you let my dad tell the story, he kind of comes at it with a different perspective. And my dad, what he would say is he realized that he was insufficient to meet my mom's needs. But he was confident that if he could just get her to the hospital, that there would be someone there who could meet them. And in this case, is the physician. And so even though my dad felt weak. And helpless, he maintained his composure, knowing that there is someone who can meet those needs. That was the physician. In the same way, we as Christians, we realize we are insufficient to meet the needs that God places before us. But we can stay confident, knowing that there is someone who can meet them, and His name is Jesus. And so if we just remind ourselves that through Jesus, we're capable of meeting any circumstance. Well, before we jump into this passage, I kind of want to give you all some background information of what's going on before this. And so I don't know if you know, but a a couple chapters back, Jesus gathers the disciples and he sends them off two by two to the surrounding villages and gives them authority to cast out evil spirits in his name. All right? But he also tells them that when they go on this journey, not to take any food, not to take any money. All right? And so the disciples go out they cast out many demons, and they also heal many sick people. And not only that, but we also find out that their good friend, John the Baptist, had just been beheaded, all right? And so they just went, and they retrieved his body, and they just got done burying him. And so we can probably assume when they meet with Jesus here in verse 30 that they're probably pretty tired, they're probably pretty weak, and they're probably hurting. And so I think it's plain to see, man, that these disciples just need rest, all right? And I think Jesus notices that. And so he tells the disciples to go to a secluded place and just be by themselves and just rest a while. And so it says the disciples got in a boat and they went to a secluded place to rest. But it says as they are going, this large crowd of people noticed them. All right? And it says that they started running to beat them to where they are going. And so like, I kind of think about the disciples, I kind of feel for them, all right? Because they're finally able to go get some rest. And then we see continuing needs continue to happen, all right, as these people start running to meet them. And I think all of a sudden these disciples realize, we're not going to get any rest. Because we find out later that it's not some small group of people, but it's 5,000 of them, all right? And they're literally running on foot to beat them. And so Jesus sees this, and it says he had compassion for them for they are like sheep without a shepherd. I think Jesus realized the disciples were worn out, but when he saw this crowd of people, he noticed that these people had no one to follow, that no one to depend on. I think he saw this and he had compassion. And so he began to teach them many things. Well, after uh, Jesus was teaching them for a while, I think the disciples realized it was getting quite late. And they also probably started hearing some grumbling as these people started, this large crowd of people started complaining about how they're hungry. And so the disciples said, Okay, we didn't get any rest. We've already been here a while. And so they go up to Jesus in verse 34, I think. And then he says, They go up to Jesus and they say, It's already quite late, all right? These people are hungry. Let's send them away to the surrounding villages so they can get something to eat, all right? Which is reasonable, okay? It's late. These people are hungry, and the disciples don't have food, so they want to send them out to go get some. But Jesus looks at them and he says, No, you give them something to eat. And I think for the disciples, that just startled them. I think for them, they said, Okay, we've been running around doing stuff nonstop, okay? We've been trying to help them as much as we can, All we want is a little bit of rest, okay? We have compassion for them. We want them to go eat, but now you tell me that we need to feed them. And I think this comment that Jesus throws at them just pushes them over the edge, all right? Because we see that they pretty much just start mocking Jesus. And so they ask him, they say, well, what do you want us to do? How do you want us to feed them? And we see here that it would take 200 days labor of work to provide that type of money that would be able to get the food for these people, all right? And we also realize, I mean, these disciples probably have families, you know. They have families to provide for. And so when Jesus throws out this command, they just think it's ridiculous. They say, obviously, we can't come up with that type of money to provide for them. And so Jesus says, well, well how many loaves do you have? And so they go, oh, okay. Well, we've, we've got five loaves. Oh, and we also have two fish, if that helps. All right. And so we see now the disciples... Responding almost in a sarcastic manner, I feel like. Because Jesus didn't even ask about the fish. Yet the disciples said, oh yeah, we got two fish too. There you go. I feel like, I don't know if I've ever been there, but I feel like I have a similar, I've been in a similar situation. A couple years ago, I, I lived in Scandia. That is not another country. It's actually an apartment complex across from <laughs> Anderson. All right. Anyways, we had these neighbors that lived right across the way. And they had this cute little five-year-old boy, five-year-old boy who was always running around the front yard. And so one day I went out and I said, You know, I'm going to introduce myself to him. And so I went up and I said, Hey, little kid, my name is Jason. Uh, what's your name? And he says, Well, my name's Pimp. I said, Excuse me. <laughs> he said, Yeah, my name's Pimp. I said, All right, you've got some issues, man. And I walked off and I, I saw his dad. And uh, I went up to his dad, and I introduced myself to him. I said, hey, I just uh, met your boy. What's his, what's his name? He goes, oh, it's Pimp. Pimp Um And that's a true story, man. This kid's name was Pimp Terrius, all right? <laughs> Best name of all time, okay? <laughs> um, but anyways, little Pimp was always knocking on our door, okay? Uh, he always wanted to hang out, always wanted to do something. And so either him or someone in his family were always knocking, okay? And so this one particular day, uh, I just got done with the test. I was stressed out, okay? I've been doing stuff nonstop. And so what I do to kind of relax is I come home, and I turn on the PlayStation 3, and I play some NCAA football, all right? (laughs) If any of you have that game, I will dominate you. I'm telling you right now. Um, But so anyways, I come home, and I turn on this PS3, and I start playing. And so right as I get comfortable and start playing, I hear this familiar knock on the door. And I open it, and there's Pimp. And he goes, hey, what are you doing? I said, I'm playing a game. And he's like, well, I want to play. And so he comes in and sits down right next to me. And I was just like, dang it. I just want to relax right now, okay? I've hung out with you a lot. Just let me be. But I kind of figured out a solution. And so I grabbed a controller, and I handed it to him. And I continued to play. And I didn't feel like it was necessary for me to tell him that I never turned on his controller, okay? And so we sat there for the next 30 minutes just playing, and he thought he was playing, but he really wasn't, okay? All right. Now, once again, y'all are probably thinking you're just like your dad, man. You're, You're a punk. But from my perspective, it's not that I didn't love this kid. Like, I seriously hung out with him all the time. Alright? And to be honest, man, his family, they were knocking on our door nonstop, and they always needed us to do something. Okay? And I finally got to a point where I was just tired. Okay. I just wanted to be alone. I needed rest. Alright? And so I responded foolishly and did something stupid. Okay. I think the disciples are kind of in the same situation. I don't think that they're just these horrible people who don't love this crowd. I think they're just tired. All right? And I think they're just worn out. And I think they're weak. And they're just broken from what's happened before. And then I think they see this, this need of these people. And they see, okay, now they need us to feed them. There's no possible realistic way we can do that. Okay, So I don't think they're being unreasonable or being some terrible person type of person by sending them away okay and so then we see that jesus right after they respond to jesus in this way jesus then takes the crazy five thousand mob okay and he has them all sit down in groups of hundreds and fifties all right and i think that's kind of neat because i think it's just cool how jesus takes this crazy huge crowd and he brings structure and he brings order okay and then he takes the five loaves and the two fish, and he blesses them, and he begins to multiply it. All right? And it literally says that he just starts giving it to the disciples. All right? He just starts giving them food. And so then the disciples take this food, and they go and set it before the hungry crowd, and they come back, and Jesus is still there, just multiplying. And so they take it, they set it before, and they come back, and there's Jesus again. Just staring, all right? Just multiplying the food. And I think it's just interesting to see here this helpless situation, all right? And we even see the disciples, were they being unrealistic? No, but they, pro- they responded in a manner that was, that was poorly. That was poor choice for them to respond the way they did to Jesus, knowing what he's done before. But yet Jesus doesn't slap him in the face. He just keeps doing what he does and he satisfies people, and he fulfills people, all right? And what's cool is, like, I, th- I look at Jesus, I'm like, okay, you just multiplied all this bread and fish on your own, okay? If you did that on your own, surely you could have given them to the crowd on your own. But he didn't do that. Instead, he decided to use the very people that just mocked him, the very people that just doubted what he could do. He gave them the bread and gave them the fish, and they said, all right, now you go put that in front of them. And I think that's what, that's what Jesus does. That's what God has done throughout history. He chooses to use weak people like you and me to make his glory known. That's what he does. I think in the same way, God, out of his great love, has taken a broken world and he's redeemed it through the sacrifice of his son. All right, And which through faith will provide, fulfill and satisfy us more than we will ever need. All right? When we look at this passage, we see that when everyone eats, they are completely satisfied. And not only that, but there are 12 extra baskets of leftover food. Okay? Jesus didn't just provide for them. He satisfied them. Okay? He fulfilled them. We'll have an illustration that kind of relates to that. Probably about 10 years ago, uh, I went on a ski trip to New Mexico. Okay? And once again, my mom is a part of this illustration. I think she has, uh, she's probably going to be, if I'm ever a preacher, I'll probably have about 100 sermon illustrations, you know, but, uh, from her. But, anyways, uh, I don't know if you've ever been skiing, but in order to get to the top of the mountain, you have to get on a ski lift, okay? And so, what this ski lift does is you get on it at the bottom of the mountain, it then lifts you up and it takes you to the top, all right? And usually, you're about 10 to 15 feet above the ground. Well, anyways, on this particular uh, ski lift, it actually got off at two spots, all right? And so when it went up, it would get off halfway, but then it would just keep going and go to the top, all right? And I don't know if you've ever been on a ski lift, but they don't stop for you. You've got to be ready, okay? Because when it comes down, you better jump off, or it's just going to keep going. Well, I was only like 10 years old at the time, and I was pretty dumb, and for some reason, uh, I think my mom had told me that we were going to the top of the mountain, but I guess when we got to the middle part, I just kind of hesitated and just jumped off. All right, I don't know why. But I realized I made a mistake very quickly because all of a sudden my mom just keeps going back up. All right, And so just like my dad, all of a sudden I look up at my mom, and she's about 10 feet up in the air right now, and all of a sudden she makes eye contact with me, and she just looks crazy. <laughs> And all of a sudden, I start to picture what she's about to do, and I kind of look at her and say, Mom, please don't do this. And all of a sudden, she disengages herself from the ski lift, and she just jumps, all right? And she just face plants on the ground. Her skis, her hat, her gloves go everywhere, all right? Not only this, but when you get off a ski lift, there's usually a huge crowd of people, all right? And so here's this woman just laying on the snow after jumping off the ski lift all right and i'm just sitting there and i'm like i don't know her <laughs> all right uh later on that day uh i actually was with my aunt and we were on a ski lift and we heard these people talking behind us They're like hey did you hear about that crazy woman who jumped off the ski lift I like yeah she survived and, and i was just like that's my mom <laughs> she's crazy uh, but luckily, she was absolutely fine, okay? She didn't get hurt at all. She just got up and put her skis on and said, all right, well, let's go skiing, you know? Um, but I think even though this, my mom may have looked pretty dumb in this situation, I think it may run in the family, I don't know. But my mom realized that the choice that I had made was, would result in me not ending up where I needed to be, Okay? Because of my choice, I had now separated myself from her and on my own, there's no way that I would be able to get to the destination that she was going because I'm not smart. All right? And so she realized the only way to fix what had just happened would be to sacrifice her body and become a fool to everyone around her. And so she disengaged herself from that ski lift and she jumped. Her compassion for me... And her love for me led her to action. And as a result, I re- reunited back with my mom and we went to the top of the mountain. All right? Man, I think, just like me, I think we've all gotten off at the wrong spot at one time, okay? I think we've all sinned, and because of that, we've separated ourselves from God. And on our own, there is no way that we can reach our destination, which is a relationship with him and an eternal life with him. Okay, And I think God realized this. And just like my mom, he saw, okay, something's missing here. There's a separation between us. And I think he realized that the only way to fix this was to sacrifice himself. And so he jumped, so to speak. And he, di- and he died on behalf of our sins. And I think now we can know that if we have faith in what Jesus did, if we have faith that he died on our behalf, then we can be restored with God. And with that, we will then be where we need to be in the future. I think a lot of y'all know that, y'all realize that. But the reason I picked this passage is because I think we're on, I think, a similar situation at this point in the semester I think just like these disciples, I think we're at a point in our journey where we're just tired. All right? I think a lot of y'all are just weak okay, from just ongoing needs that have been happening all semester. All right? For some of y'all, man, y'all fooled one too many all-nighters studying. Okay? And you're just here right now and you're just physically worn out. All right? For some of y'all, man, maybe it's not studying, but it's just some tough life issues that are going on. I don't know what it is, but it's just beat you down, all right? And you're here right now, and you are just weak, and you're tired, just like these disciples, okay? And I think some of you, I think some of you have responded to certain stressful situations poorly, okay? I think the disciples, when they start becoming overwhelmed with these continuing needs, I think they respond poorly, all right? And they begin to mock Jesus, and they begin to say, there's no way that you can do this. All right? And I think for some of us, in times of stress, some of y'all have given in to some sin. And I think, hoping that this sin will satisfy you. all right. And I think for some of y'all, man, you're just beating yourself up because of it. You've had some rough times this semester. Because of that, that's led to certain sin. And you are just beating yourself up. And Satan just will not let you forget about it. You know, I don't think that the disciples responded poorly because they were bad people. I think they were just easy forgetters, okay? It's not that they didn't think that Jesus could do this. I mean, time after time and time again, they've seen Jesus provide in miraculous ways, you know? And I think just when times got rough, when, when stress came, they just forgot, okay? You want to know something? I have not been doing the slides. <laughs> Sorry, Trey. (laughs) But anyways, I just realized that. That stinks. Here we go. But so anyways, I think, so how do we respond, okay? Obviously, if we're like the disciples, I think we're just easy forgetters. And so like my dad, I think he would constantly remind himself, okay, that he was insufficient to meet my mom's needs. And so I think he always played it in his head, okay, if this happens to my mom, if she's about to give birth, then I'm taking her to the hospital, okay? Because the physician can meet those needs. And I think for us, we have to constantly remind ourselves that on our own, we are insufficient to meet the needs of this world, okay? And so we have to remind ourselves that through Jesus, we can meet them. And I think sometimes we respond poorly because we just don't remind ourselves of who Jesus is and what he's done. I mean, on Monday... To be honest, I was freaking out about this sermon. Um, I came to Trey, and I was just like, I don't know if I can do this. I really don't. Um, it was just freaking me out. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, he sat me down at lunch, and he said, Hey, Jason, are you ready to be overwhelmed? And I said, Okay, I guess. And he just kind of threw out these responsibilities. And at the time, it didn't really hit me, but on Monday it did. And I freaked out. And I just told Trey, I was like, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And he just looked at me and very simply he just said, Jason, just put down the sermon, okay? And just go home and just be with your wife and just be alone, just be still, okay? And that's what I did. I went home, I put away the sermon and I just was still, I was just quiet. Um, In December, my good friend Matt Fidel, who's up here, uh, we went to go eat at this restaurant Uh, Actually, it's my favorite restaurant. It's called Coco Loco, okay? I love it. But anyways, we were sitting there eating one day, um, and as we were eating, this man walks up, total stranger, and he grabs our ticket, and he says, hey, this one's on me, all right? And then he walks off, and he pays for it. And me and Matt just looked at each other, and we said, this is not happening. (laughs) Like, this this is crazy, and we didn't know what to do. And so I remember getting up, and I went up to the, to the man, I I shook his hand, and I said, you didn't have to do that. I don't even know you. You don't have to pay for it. It's okay. And he said, no, it's all right. Merry Christmas. And he walks off. And so me and Matt were just staring at each other for a while, like, what do we do? This is so weird. But then we also realized that our food was getting cold. <laughs> and we realized that if we just sat there, worrying about how we were going to repay this guy back, that we would not get to enjoy the food. And so we sat down, and we just ate. And I think in the same way, I think some of you need to go away for a little bit. Whatever you're doing, just put it away, and just go be by yourself, and just be still for a little bit. Okay? Because I think, for some of us, we've been given this great gift, and it's called grace. Jesus came down, and he didn't die for you because you're some great person. He died for you because he loved you. You know, and when I went away on Monday night and I just sat there by myself, I realized that this sermon is not what identifies me i 'm identified with Christ, and I 'm identified because of grace. you know and I think for some of you, man, you just need to go away, and you need to realize that again. And I think this story we can look at it, and we see, yeah, the disciples responded horribly, but I think the more. I think something cool that we can see here is is this crowd of people and what they did at the beginning in verses 33 to 34. As we see this crowd, as they look at the disciples, they realize that, hey, they have something that I don't have. And whatever it is, I want it. And so they did whatever they could to position themselves to meet with the disciples and with Jesus. And it says, Jesus saw this and he had compassion for them. And he began to teach them. And I think for some of y'all, y'all just need to position yourselves in a way, okay, just to meet with Jesus, all right? Now, yeah, we can't do that. We can't physically run to meet him anymore, but we can put away our books for a little bit, and maybe for an hour, just go be by ourselves, and just come before him, and just say, I need you, you know? And think about his grace, and think about what he's done, and just eat it up, you know? Like, for some of us, like, we don't remind ourselves of how good this is just like with me and matt if we wouldn't have eaten the food this gift that this man would have given us would have been pointless you know and so for some of y'all you, all, you just need to go away and you need to realize there's grace for you and just accept that man if you've responded poorly to stress and you've given into sin just it's okay there's grace all right you're not identified by that sin you're identified by Christ's death okay and he paid for it um I think a good verse that kind of goes to this story is Matthew 6, 33. And so I'm going to read that real quick. And it says here, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And if you look right before this story, I think Jesus is trying to encourage a bunch of people who are just stressing out about what they're going to eat, what they're going to wear. They're just stressing out about life. And Jesus says, you seek me and you seek my kingdom and all these things are going to be taken care of, okay? And I think it's interesting when we look at this story in Mark, we see the disciples, when they finally go and they set the food before these people, not only does God equip them to serve, but he also satisfies their need as well. Because we also remember they're tired and they were hungry. Well, I think it's cool that at the end... After everyone's done eating, there's twelve leftover baskets of food, one for each of them. All right, and I think Jesus is trying to say, "Hey, you trust me? You come after me, and you seek me. All these things are going. I'm going to take care of you. You know. And I think for some of y'all, this morning, the best thing you can do is just pray and just say, God, I haven't been trusting you, and I just want to surrender that and start seeking Him again, and start positioning yourself in places to meet with Him. You know, whether that's." through prayer, maybe it's through the Word, maybe it's through hanging out with certain people that you know are going to push you to run with the Lord. And just do that. And I think it's also neat that these disciples, all right, and I want you all to remember this, the very same disciples who responded poorly to stress, the same weak, utter helpless people, God chose to use them, all right, to serve. All right. And so for some of y'all, I want y'all to realize that yeah, you're weak. Okay, so am I. But the cool thing is God's grace, it's strong enough for you. Okay? And He wants to use you. And so that's my prayer for y'all is that you realize that man, God's gonna, He's gonna provide for you. He really is. Just seek Him and serve Him. All right? Because He wants to use you. That's how His glory is portrayed to the world. It's through y'all. And so let me pray. Dear Father, God I just thank you just for this time I just pray that whatever I said that didn't make sense Lord I pray they'd forget it and I pray that they would remember truth I pray they would remember that there's grace for them and that it covers them and that it's strong enough for them and I pray that you just encourage them throughout this stressful time of finals this stressful time of graduation and you let them know that if they seek first your kingdom and your righteousness that you're going to provide for them you promise that. And so, Lord, we love you, and we thank you. And we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.